No Bull. Powered by Earnhardt Auto Centers. For a premier destination near you, head to nobull.com. Here's Chris, Crespin, and Simone. And welcome in to the Friday edition of No Bull with Chris, Crespin, and Simone. The gang's all here on a football Friday edition of the program. And listen, Sean, I don't want to put you on blast right here out of the out of the gate, ready to go. I need the put energy up a little bit in the pre-show meeting. The energy wasn't blast. there. I know you had a long night last night, but I need the energy today on a Friday. I need you to bring the energy. Listen, when you're when you're a veteran player, <laughs> Jordan knows this. When you're a veteran player, just because you might have a little bit of a lower energy in the pregame doesn't mean you're not going to bring it as soon as that ball is kicked okay. off. You just kicked off the football. Let's go on a Friday. I'm good to go. Let's go. There it is. There it is. That's the energy I'm looking for out of you. I know you had a rough night, so I just wanted to get, make sure you're in the right mindset here I just, on a Friday. I on. just scared my dog. Howie, come here, brother. It's, it's okay. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, man, Sean's pissed. Uh, no, I'm ready to go. Let's have a, let's have a good show here right, on a Friday. Good. good. It is a Friday. It is a football Friday. Lots of news to get into. But, Sean, if you could hit that magic button so we can tell everybody what is in the lead on the program today. This is the one they're talking about. Starting with a non-football story, gentlemen. Sorry. I know it's a football Friday. I know both of you want to get in a lot of football talk. But, Sean, the reason why I had to put you on blast is it was a pretty late night for you last night because ASU basketball in action, their first Pac-12 game of the season. They beat Cal 70-62, the final score of that game. But I think the story that everybody's keeping an eye on, the injury to Bagley, doesn't appear to be serious. Coach Hurley afterwards said, we think it's a calf issue. Doesn't doesn't mean doesn't seem to be catastrophic. I believe is the word I'm, that he used in the post game. Didn't look even, good. Didn't look good. Yeah, like I'm not even going there yet, man. Uh, there's two, there's no way you can know. I, it, it didn't look good at all for those that didn't see it last night because half of you can't get the Pac-12 network and the other half were sleeping when it happened at halftime in a late <laughs> basketball game last night. Uh, but uh, Bagley was simply running down court on the to to go set up on the defensive end and at center court. Looked back like like somebody had kicked him, but there was nobody there. And anytime you see that, that is not good. And he instantly grabs his ankle, and he was down to look like he was in a lot of pain. He had to be helped off the court by two personnel. He had the Cal uh, medical staff out there. He had the Sun Devil medical staff out there. But he was stay. He did stay on the sideline um, after the game. We did get a view. Again, we don't travel right now, so we're not there. But we did get a shot of him on the sideline um, post-game and all his teammates coming up to him. And then you're right, Chris, immediately following the game because we all feared the worst. Just like you, Jordan, you just went, ooh, because that's never – Yeah. That The way I just described that is never good news, yeah. especially when you see a guy look back at his leg like somebody just kicked him and nothing's there. That's And I've never had an Achilles, but everybody that describes it describes it that way. It feels like somebody just hit you in the back of the leg, but there's nobody yeah. there. So good news is what Chris said. After the game – Coach Hurley told the media that the doctors on site feel like it's not the worst case scenario. That's how he put it. Uh, and then he, after another question, he was he said that it, the 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 hope is that it's it's a calf injury, not the worst case scenario. So nothing's out of the the question yet, Chris. So there's no good news yet. There's just not catastrophic news. 
And if you guys remember how the, the Kevin Durant was talking with Kyle Dodd after our broadcast last night, you guys remember how Kevin Durant went? He kept saying, it's just, a, it's, just a, it's just a calf. Remember, even the medical staff kept telling him, it's just a calf injury. It's a calf injury. You'll get over it. And then it wasn't until he went out and tried to play on it that the Achilles popped. Remember that? Yes. So you just got to be incredibly careful with this. You're hoping that everything's good with Bagley. Um, but, we all, again, be super, super careful with it if you're the Sun Devils, and I'm sure they yeah. will. And that's how it happens, too. I mean, it starts out a lot of times with the calf strain. Yeah. Uh, and then it builds, the inflammation builds, and then you pop your Achilles. So they're going to go get the MRI today, and uh, they'll, they'll figure out, you know, what kind of grade one, grade two, grade three kind of calf he's got. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, the good news for him is that he's young, and they have a lot of young talent on this team. Uh, but, you know, super unfortunate situation, the first Pac-12 game they play all year. You know what they say, guys. You know, it's not second chances. It's seventh chances. And that is what uh, Josh Gordon is getting in Seattle. It's he has been formally it's just his sixth reinstated. Chance. Sorry. I, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sixth chance. Mm-hmm. He's been formally reinstated by the National Football League for the final two weeks of the season. So Seattle going to get uh, a wide receiver back. Yeah, it was suspended indefinitely last December for a violation of the league's policies on performance enhancing substances and substances of abuse. It was his sixth suspension, as Sean mentioned since the 2013 season and his fifth for some form of substance abuse. Sean, I don't know what the expectations are here. I don't know what mental state Josh Gordon is in. Like I said, this is the sixth time he's been suspended for something like this. I think we just take a wait-and-see approach with this since we've gone through this roller coaster of emotions six times already. Uh, You're not going to – I mean, okay (laughs) – Hey, I thought Gordon. I could go first when it was Seahawks. Go, okay, you're right. You know, you're 100% right. Okay. Sure, that's in your that contract. Go, go, that's right. That's in your contract. Go ahead. Look, I, I know <laughs> it's no bowl with Chris uh, Crespin and Simone. No, but you're right. Sometimes you got to throw Simone up front, okay? Um, look, you're right. It's in your contract. Josh, I forgot to read the fine print. My bad. Josh Gordon uh, is obviously dynamic. I, I think he's like DK Metcalf. I mean, I haven't seen the guy play too much, but every time he's out there, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. DK Metcalf, in my opinion, is better and more physical and faster. Uh, but this guy, look, he's had issue after issue, and they keep giving him chances because he's that good. But you just add this this receiver to to an already solid receiving core, it's, it's going to cause problems and fits for teams that have to guard them. And another weapon for Russell Wilson, like he didn't even need it. But here we are. Josh Gordon getting reinstated with two weeks left. We'll be healthy going into the playoffs. Uh, it's a win for the Seahawks. I just hope it's not more of a distraction than it helps depth is never a bad thing right added depth is never a bad thing but in five games last year with the seahawks he was targeted a grand total of 11 times like this is not the wide receiver from 2013 guys i've never seen one receiver live and have a reputation this grand off of one year in my life if you really look at josh gordon 2013 was sensational right 1646 yards in 14 games he had a five-week stretch that was unlike anything i've ever seen since then he hasn't had a thousand yard receiving season since that day since that year in 2013 yeah all the different suspensions and so forth uh he's not the same guy that took the top off the defense back in 2013 that was we're coming up on a decade ago guys this is not the same wide receiver depth is never a bad thing but if you're expecting him to come in and make this grand impact on the Seattle Seahawks in the final two weeks and then a playoff run, I think you're going to be you're going to be disappointed because I, he's just not that guy. He really isn't. I, again, I've never seen a wide receiver have a reputation to the extent of Josh Gordon 
based off of one damn year that happened seven years ago and six suspensions ago. It's mind-boggling to me. Depth it is, is never it is a, crazy. Yeah, depth is never a bad thing, but he's not a game. Like put it this way: How much have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers changed since you put uh, since you put uh, uh, AB AB on the roster? You know, yeah. it's almost been it's almost been more of a distraction to their offense because right. they're right. trying to force it to him. And yeah, I, d- I hope that he doesn't come in there and, and cause issues. I don't think he will. I don't he kinda, think he will either. He transitioned into them last year, late in the year, and and it worked out uh, before pulling himself out again because of his substance abuse issues. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it they call it the not for long league NFL, not for long. Uh. And in Josh Gordon's case, it's hey man. You can hang out as long as you want. Take a break when you need it. Come on back. I know you got your issues, but uh, it, it is pretty shocking how many opportunities that he continues it's to crazy. get. And, and that that just goes to tell you how talented he must be. Yeah, I mean, in five games, like I said, 11 targets, only seven receptions, and 139 yards with the Seahawks last year. Depth is not a bad thing, but he's not a game changer. So, I mean, people making a big deal about this yesterday. Oh, they're going to get him for the final two games of the year. Yeah, and the dude hasn't played football in a year. Like, what what kind of shape mm-hmm. do you think he's going to be in for those games? You know, this isn't oh, going to be. I'm sure a, he's been training. It's not going to be an impact. It's not going to be a super impact. It, it, it just won't. It's an yeah. interesting story though Sean. to have six different suspensions and still get another chance. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not a game changer. Sean, you mentioned living off of one year as your mm-hmm. reputation, and it made me think of another Cleveland Brown who had one really good year and found himself on the cover of Madden, Peyton Hillis. That was where my brain went when you were when going yeah, but, down. But that Peyton path. Hillis, a decade later, isn't getting chance after chance after chance after chance. No, no, no. I know. You know what but I mean? when, so when I've never said anything like, like this. Living off of your name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. It's absolutely crazy. All right. Well, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about this. This, this story is a little bit old, but. I think it has an impact in the in the playoff race in the Western Conference for the National Basketball Association. There was a, a swap of, of point guards in the National Basketball Association. Russell Westbrook, he's going to Washington. John Wall coming back to Houston along with a future first-round pick. Uh, Jordan, is it in your contract to talk NBA first? I want to make sure that we get this uh, right. Do you want to take this story first? It, it is not in my contract, but okay. I will okay. go first <laughs> if it is appointed okay, to me. Uh-huh. Okay, so just uh, yeah, so, Jordan, give, give me yeah. some NBA takes. <laughs> All right, you're ready. You hey, you called out the legend. You're going to get him. Hot NBA takes coming left and right here. Um, I think the people of Washington D.C. are bum. John Wall was it was a big time name there. Uh, I think it's a home run for the Rockets to to be able to to get Russell Westbrook out of there uh and bring in a guy like john wall who is more of a facilitator who can obviously score but will understand his role on that team uh in my opinion so i i think you know if you're washington you're not thrilled that you're getting russell westbrook because you're basically not going to win an nba championship it's been proven several times that he's just not the guy that that you want on your team to win a championship uh but but for the rockets they got john wall they got a guy who can command the basketball uh command the floor uh, and he's going to be able to distribute, and that's what they want with a guy like James Harden on their team. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I mean, there was no way the ball-dominant duo of Westbrook and Harden was going to be a long-term thing in Houston, especially when they started to try to go out the, outside the box and got so small last year. I mean, they're in a rebuilding situation right now. By the way, uh, James Harden is yet to report to camp for the Rockets, so that's going to be fun. Um, but, no, I, I think you're, if he does report – they are in a better situation, as Jordan said, with somebody who's more willing to take a role within what they're trying to accomplish 
than Westbrook Harden. I, I, I mean, I, I think we all thought when that first came together last year that it, this isn't going to work. You know, there, there's no way. Yeah. So uh, I, it, it, I think it's probably better for both parties. Westbrook gets to move out of there, which he's already voiced his opinion he wanted to. And you're bringing somebody who's who hasn't played hoops in a while, but he's more of a uh, more of a fit there, I think, in Houston. And I'll say this, it's a risk on Washington's side because just look at the, the, the big-name teammates that Russell Westbrook has played with. James Harden in Houston, Durant in OKC, Paul George in OKC. Does Washington feel that their building with Bradley Beal is the fit that all of a sudden makes it click with Westbrook? It's a big risk on their part. Um, we'll see how this ultimately plays out. But I do think this lessens the amount of teams, and we played better or not better a couple of weeks ago about this. Uh, I think it, it lowers the number of teams that, that, that are directly better than the Suns. I think losing Westbrook is a huge loss uh, talent-wise for the Rockets. And if they do move Harden, I think that would take them completely out of it. All right, Jordan. Uh, lots of Jordan Simone takes here to kick off in the lead. Yeah. You came to us this morning and you said, guys, I need this in the lead today. And I said, okay, Jordan, we yes. can do this. You are having an issue with pumpkin spice flavored things that's all i'll say i'll let you elaborate okay so uh i had covid back in july july like middle of july i had covid it wasn't bad for me i was i was pretty lucky uh i the only reason i knew is because i lost my taste and smell but i had like a you know a little headache i was a little tired but no fever no coughing nothing like that so i was i was pretty lucky but i haven't had my taste or smell back for five months and I'm starting to get it back, but the only thing I smell and taste is pumpkin spice latte. It doesn't matter what the food is, what the drink is, what smell it is, it's pumpkin spice latte, 24 hours, seven days a week right now. It is a certain type of hell that I would wish upon nobody. I'm drinking a Pedialyte right now. It tastes like pumpkin spice latte. I had, uh, I had potatoes and eggs this morning. It tastes like pumpkin spice latte. I fucking excuse me. I'm at Groundhog's Day here uh, with 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 pumpkin spice latte. I'm Bill Murray, and every day is pumpkin spice latte. It's it's hell. Hang on, let me make sure I'm understanding this correct. Since having COVID, you smell, and it doesn't matter what it is and what you eat. It tastes and smells like pumpkin spice. Just up till like last week, this started happening. Like. Like Friday of Dude, last week, it started happening. But I had weird. I had no taste and smell since July, July, August, September, October, November, December. Five months of no smell. So and taste. you know, it's and funny. I'd rather have no smell and taste than yeah. pumpkin spice all day long. It's, it's terrible. funny you say that, and I'm going to de completely derail the program here, which is fine. Um, I, you know, I had it as well, and I had more. I had a lot worse of the symptoms, right? You guys remember it was brutal. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Dude, there's certain not oh, everything. But there's like a handful of things that all smell the same to me now since then. The taste thing is, is really? not an issue. But there's like a there's yeah like I'll I'll notice something and be like that isn't supposed to smell like that and it smells exactly the same. I can't even describe Dude. what the smell is. It's horrible. But there's a lot of things that now smell exactly the same. And I'm not trying to play doctor on a podcast here. Uh, so who knows if this has anything to do with COVID whatsoever? But I was making comments about that this weekend. We were we were uh, with some friends for a birthday, and I'm going man. Uh, so many things smell the same now. So good. I'm glad it's not just me. I'm glad I'm not the only one going crazy. And I'm also glad that I don't have to smell and eat pumpkin spice latte all the time like you because that's brutal. It's, it that's is bad. That's bad. a certain type of hell that I would wish upon nobody. <laughs> all right. Well, Jordan, you're going to have right. to keep us updated on the trials and tribulations. Maybe we'll put out a social yeah. media feature of you trying different foods and telling us if they smell or taste like pumpkin spice. I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll table pumpkin that for another time. You keep keep pumping that Pedialyte, buddy. You'll get you'll get better soon. Coming up next on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. 
Have the Arizona Cardinals got a taste of what their future is going to look like over the last couple of weeks? And is it a bad thing? We'll get into it next year on No Bowl with Chris Crespin and Simone. Well, I can't taste anything and smell anything but pumpkin spice latte. And it's that certain type of reliability that you can expect from Earnhardt Auto Center since 1951. Harry Truman was in office and he trusted Earnhardt. We trust Earnhardt. You should go to them for the car buying process if you want it to be simple easy uh right now you can stay at home and they will literally drive a car to your front door with the noble express option go to noble.com click the express option they will literally drive you a car for you to test drive for the day uh you can handle the applications the financing all online it's extremely easy process go to earnhardt or excuse me go to noble.com that earnhardt family is a name that you can trust it's been noble since 1951 doesn't matter where you are in the valley they've got you covered go to noble.com Click that express option, nobull.com. That ain't no bull. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, all these games in December are, are, are big, and um, our team knows that we got 32 days left in this regular season, and we got to maximize every day. Um, it's a wide open race throughout the NFL. We understand, you know, it's still all out in front of us. And, um, so knowing that you have three divisional opponents definitely, you know, adds to that sense of urgency. Cardinals head coach Cook Kingsbury there talking about the December schedule for his football team, a very important December schedule for this team as they are in the midst of a playoff battle, trying to hold on to the seventh spot in the NFC playoff race. And gentlemen, looking at this game, and they have one of those divisional games this Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams, taking a look at the injury report and considering the state of the world or the state of the United States in 2020, considering guys on and off COVID lists, considering injuries all over the place, these two teams are relatively healthy heading into this divisional matchup that has a lot of stakes on it. I mean, the Cardinals have gotten a couple people off of the COVID list this week. So both teams relatively close to uh, as close as you can be to 100% at this point in the season should make for a very interesting matchup on Sunday, Sean. No, it, it should. And we talked about a handful of the matchups that we want, we're looking forward to in this, uh, in, in this game as well to be Interesting to see Ramsey and Hopkins go head to head again. This is a matchup that they, uh, you know, they, they had an opportunity to play against each other a significant amount when they were both in the AFC South. So we get to see that again for the first time when it comes to the Cardinals and Rams. So that'll be fun. Uh, the quarterbacks, both of them have been criticized a little bit here in the last few weeks. Jared Goff, guys, has turned the football over 10 times in the last four weeks. 10 times in the last four weeks. So keep an eye on what this Arizona Cardinals defense is able to do against him. Can you take advantage of that? And then Kyler Murray, not able to run the football very much in the last couple weeks. If that's the shoulder, if that's not the shoulder, and you're going up against one of the game's top defenses. So a lot of different matchups to look for this weekend. Um, but uh, you know, those three are, 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 are right towards the top of the list for me going into the uh, what's really a pivotal divisional game for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, Kyler Murray's going to have to use his legs early. Uh, he's going to have to escape the pressure of Aaron Donald. That D-line does such a great job of, uh, of you know, really it's just Aaron Donald. The D-line gets freed up because Aaron Donald's getting double teamed all day. So there's one guy has a you know has to just beat a one-on-one -on -one matchup occasionally, and they will. Uh, but yeah, their their corners are playing well right now. I think this is going to be uh, you know who can who can uh, not turn the football if if Kyler can take care of the football, extend some drives with his legs. I think the Cardinals have a good chance of winning it. And, you know, people, we talked a couple shows ago about, you know, how the, the Cardinals have traditionally not played the Rams well. And I think it's, I think this is going to be the Rams game. I think, or excuse me, I think it's going to be the Cardinals game. I think the Cardinals are going to come out prepared, ready to go. They're, they're, they understand the task at hand. They've always, they've always gotten beat. 
Um, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. But, I, uh, yeah, I think if, if Jared Goff continues on the trend that he is, it's going to be tough for the Cardinals to, uh, to, to not win this game. We mentioned the injuries and the lack thereof, or at least the relative health of both sides. One name for the Arizona Cardinals that is still not off of the COVID list as of recording of this podcast is wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald for the Arizona Cardinals. He could probably come off the list any moment now. Uh, not sure what his status is going to be for the game on Sunday. doesn't appear likely that he's going to play if here on a Friday. He's still not off of that list. And you know, we haven't seen it. We didn't see him play last week. It doesn't look like we're going to see him play this week. And Sean, this is a weird thing to say when you consider for the longest time, Larry Fitzgerald was the face of this franchise. And to a large extent, I still think he is one of the faces of this franchise. I don't know if I necessarily missed him on the football field last week. And that's a harsh thing to say. It's something that, you know, I'm sure Cardinal fans aren't necessarily happy about me saying. I think it's the reality of the situation of that. I don't know if Larry is still that big-time receiver that we're used to seeing on a week-in and week-out basis. Well, we know that's not the case, right? We, I mean, that's that's been obvious. But, uh, you know, I'll back up and say Larry Fitzgerald still is the face of the Arizona Cardinals. And even when he retires, people around the country will still think of Larry Fitzgerald when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals. So that's not going to change. But what has changed is the impact that he has on this offense week-in and week-out. You know, we're going in. He's now played. Larry Fitzgerald has played 10 games this year. He has 336 total yards receiving and zero touchdowns. Larry Fitzgerald's averaging 33 yards a game. So I think you're not off base, Chris, when you say we saw the Arizona Cardinals without Larry Fitzgerald last week. There's a good chance you're going to see him without him this week. And from a strictly football standpoint, do you miss Larry Fitzgerald on the field? I think you've come to the point in, the, in his career where you legitimately have to ask that question. Two years now in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, and it's not Larry Fitzgerald as a focal point. Let me, th- let, me, let me just remove the names from the equation. Jordan, if I was to say that the Rams' fourth option offensively is not going to play in this football game, what kind of an impact is that going to have? You're probably going to tell me not a whole hell of a lot. And if you want, it depends look, who it is. If you, it depends who it is. That's, I mean, there is some of that, but if you're talking about most teams, fourth option offensively, who has who was averaging 33 yards of offense a game, you're going to go oh, okay. If you simply remove the names from the conversation, which is hard to do, but if you simply remove the names from the from the conversation, we're talking about a fourth option at best who averages 33 yards of offense per game and has yet to score. So will you, you, this. Will you, you this. miss Larry Fitzgerald from a pure offensive standpoint? It's a legitimate question from a, now. From a pure offensive standpoint, just production standpoint, uh, you probably won't. But the reason that Larry Fitzgerald is still getting contracts to play for the Cardinals is because what he does when he's on the field. Do you think that teams are preparing for him as, uh, as a number four threat no teams are looking to go and this is a larry fitzgerald this is a hall of famer we got to know where he is let me ask you obviously this. he's not he's not larry fitzgerald of, of in his prime but he's still making plays that that uh the cardinals need to have you know the smart plays getting the ball back uh you know whatever the case may be the third and fives find larry he's going to catch the ball i mean he does so many things from a leadership standpoint too on that field and on that sideline 
that you you miss a guy like that yeah yeah i mean my, the counterpoint to my i mean i always like to look at both sides right of a, of, of a conversation and the counterpoint you would obviously come bring to the table with larry fitzgerald is just exactly what you just said the leadership like you guys remember i think it was uh guys like four or five weeks ago now end of the first half DeAndre Hopkins makes a grab. Clock is ticking. It's about to run out. Larry was it the Seattle game? Larry's on the same yep, side of the, the field. Game. He sprints to the football, grabs it, sprints it to the center, puts it on the ground yeah. in order for them to clock it and get the field goal off. And it turned out to be a pivotal game, play in the game. So, yes, leadership you're going to miss. But I'm talking about the the you get into a shootout with the Rams. Let's say that happens. You get into a shootout with the Rams – how much are you missing without him based on you what his, based you on what him. his production has been the last two years you miss Kingsborough? I think it's a legitimate I'm question. Telling you, I'm telling you right now, from a defensive standpoint, mm-hmm. they're not overlooking Larry Fitzgerald. No. They understand that he is still a legitimate threat, and he's not a number four receiver to let them me, when they're preparing. Let me ask you what the legitimate threat is at this point in Larry Fitzgerald's career. From, from a guy who's played defensive back at an extremely high level, uh, like yourself, yeah. what is the what is the uh, the the threat right now from Larry Fitzgerald at this point in his career? He is smarter than anybody on that field. He knows where the holes are in the defenses. He yes. can read defenses better than anybody out there. Probably better than Kyler. Uh, I, he sees things before they happen. He knows where to sit down on third and seven, third and eight. He knows where the sticks are going to be. He knows where the holes are going to be. You can't replace something like that, and that's where uh, guys like Christian Kirk. Uh, and Andy Isabella can learn a lot from from Larry, and even DeAndre Hopkins, I'm sure, is learning a shit ton from him too, because he has so much experience in in this game that it's it's only going to benefit everybody around him. And so you know, on third and down, that Larry's going to have an idea of where that first down is and where the hole in the defense is going to be. You would think, but if you look at the statistics and when they go to him, they don't. I mean, because you're not wrong. I mean, everything you're saying is 100% right. That's, ex- you know, my point counterpoints that I write down whenever we have conversations. My, you know, my counterpoints are exactly what you're saying. And nobody catches the football like Larry Fitzgerald, right? Like, remember that ball that went off his hands and was yeah. intercepted? We were, like, shocked. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Larry, I mean, Larry has more tackles in his career than drops, guys. I mean, that's insane. Um, so, yes, everything you're saying is 100% right. It's just, I, I, I Larry Fitzgerald is more than likely not playing in this football game on Sunday. And again, we're recording this on, on Friday. Uh, he, he could be removed from the COVID list. He could pass the ramp up period quickly. Who knows? But more than likely he's not playing. And I'm not looking at that in my notes here as I prepare for Cardinals Rams as a, as something I've got circled and starred as a major impact. And that to me stood out when we were talking about, you know, what, what we're getting into on today's show. Like and, that, it's shocking that, that, that I don't have that circled and I don't have that starred. And we haven't been talking about Larry being on the COVID list all week long. It's Friday. And this is the first time we're bringing it up. Like, what does that say? You know what I mean? And that's, that's why I wanted to get into this, because it's shocking to me that it all week long we've been talking about Cardinals-Rams. All week long, Larry Fitzgerald's been on the COVID list. This is the first time we're talking about it. That's either neglect yeah. on our end in, in terms of our profession, or it's telling in terms of where he's at in his career. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation today. It's crazy. And the other thing that I would say too, Sean, is put yourself two years ago having this same conversation. If Larry was out of a game two years ago, it's a big deal. We're talking about it all week. That's what I'm it getting is at. dominating the coverage all week because they didn't have the depth in the room, and Larry's the only guy that can do it. 
that's not really the case anymore with the way that this offense has been constructed under Cliff Kingsbury. And I'm not even talking this year specifically. You brought it up at the top. Last year, in the first year of Cliff and Kyler, this was the same thing where it was like we were asking on a weekly basis, hey, when's Larry going to get involved? Hey, when's Larry going to have a big game? Hey, you know, you have a Hall of Fame wide receiver. You think you, you throw some more targets his way? We've been doing this for a really long time here, ever since Cliff walked into the door. And now, you know, Larry's not going to play in this game on Sunday, and it doesn't change my prediction of this game. Like, if Larry was playing, I'm still picking the Rams. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't have a material impact on my breakdown of this football game. Not well, at all. Well, wide receivers... Outside of just a couple, you know, you guys would know this better than I would, you know, gambling a little bit more on, on the game of football. Um, they're not moving the line much. A wide receiver being in or out of the lineup, no. not moving the line very much. So, th to be fair, not many guys, Chris, are going to change your, your thought on who's winning a football game at the wide receiver position alone. So, you know, I, I just find it interesting that of all the impact, we're talking about Kyler not running the ball well. We, you know, we're talking about uh, coaching decisions by Cliff Kingsbury this week. We're talking about the Rams' defense. We're talking about Jared Goff's turnovers. We're talking about the point difference, uh, the, the point differential average in the last six games between these two teams of the Rams beating the Cardinals by an average of 23 points. We're talking about all these topics this week. Larry Fitzgerald being on COVID and missing a football game has been down the totem pole of topics, which is, which is crazy. And that's why I wanted to ask you guys today, how much would you miss? Will you miss you know, life after Larry's right around the corner? It, it, does that scare you? Are you, are you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it does at this point in the career. And it's always no. sad when you, it's always sad when it you doesn't. get to this point. It's always sad when you it, get to this well, point in somebody's career. You know what? You always want to leave something better than you found it. And I think Larry can say that absolutely 100%. with this franchise. He has changed the franchise, the way that people view the Cardinals. When you think Cardinals, you think Larry Fitzgerald and what a, what a, uh, a great person and uh, player he's been for, for not just the organization, but the face of the NFL as well. Um, and so, Yes, it will be a bummer to lose him in the leadership, but I think he's he's taught these guys, you know, as much as he can and will continue to do so in some capacity, even when he's not around. Um, so, I, you know, it will be a bummer to not see number 11 out there, but you've got so much talent on that offense now and it, it's only going to get better. Yeah, and again, like like Sean said, this is going to be a glimpse of what life is like after Larry Fitzgerald chooses to retire from football, and uh, you're starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with that. When a couple of years ago, that's that thought scared you, kept you up at night, gave you gave you some nightmares. Can I can I get a? I I just touched on a statistic that we haven't got into a lot on this podcast that I would love to address. Um, sure, and it's, and it's the Arizona Cardinals' lack of success within the division, and I think it gets masked each year. Because they go up to Seattle and they somehow upset the Seahawks and we're like, oh, look at the Cardinals, hey. But you're 1-5 in 2019 within the division. You know what game that was? That was the Seattle game. So we masked it, right? It wasn't a big issue. In 2018, they were 2-4 and four within the division. you got to go back to 2016, the last time the Arizona Cardinals had a winning record within the division. And against the, and against the Los Angeles Rams, I just mentioned – the point differential average of the last six games since Sean McVay took over. You're losing at an average of 23 points a game against Sean McVay. This is something you want to talk about areas. If, you, if the Arizona Cardinals want to be taken serious as a playoff contender, or as a contender within the division, you always hear coaches say it, right? What's the first thing on our goal board each year? Win your division. 
The Arizona Cardinals haven't been competitive within the division since 2016, and they have been anything but competitive against this Rams team, again, losing at an average of 23 points per game. This is an area. These games, they're always they're always bigger in, in the division. But if you're trying to become a team that's going from uh, uh, just a footnote in the NFL to somebody that's been taken as a contender, you got to win these games within your division, and you need to start now. Gentlemen, it's been a while since the Arizona State Sun Devils have been on the football field. I think I've lost count of the number of days since it's been since they last played, which was against USC in the opener of the season. They will be back on the field tomorrow. And I think when we look at this team, there are a lot of different angles. We can talk about the fact that they haven't played in forever. We can talk about the fact that they're going to be home for the first time all season in front of a building with, with no crowd. But I think the big news that comes out of this week specifically losses in the secondary that this team is going to have. Uh, Crosswell declaring for the NFL draft. Jack Jones suspended indefinitely. Uh, there has been some stuff that could impact outside of the COVID stuff that this team's been dealing with, outside the fact that they haven't practiced. You know, the first time they practiced was last week. There are things that this week could impact them on the field. And, Sean, I, I find myself wondering the question of, when you add all this stuff up, what are like? What are we realistically supposed to expect tomorrow? A sloppy football game, more than likely from ASU. They've been on the practice field since last Thursday, so they've had time to practice. But I mean, you take a month off, right? And you're just thrown right back into it. And this is something we'd have to defer to Jordan for. They haven't been there, done that, played there. Um, I mean, that's you're you're probably going to see a sloppy first half, right? Like weather the storm early, um, and and uh, and see if you can find some kind of a rhythm in this football game. But I think again, there were times against USC. In the first game, you didn't have a lot of rhythm offensively. Um, you new, brand new offense, a lot of youth on the offensive side of the football. So I think you're going to struggle to find a rhythm. You know, if you're going to ask me what I'm expecting, I think offensively you might struggle a little bit. Defensively, there's a lot of guys who have played a lot of snaps. And the secondary mm-hmm. is Shari Crosswell, who it wasn't just Jack Jones, Chris. He was also suspended indefinitely, and that's probably mm-hmm. why he made the decision that he did, just to go get ready for the NFL draft. Um, but he didn't play much against USC. Jack Jones had the cramps. That was a setback for ASU defensively against USC. But, you know, you, you were planning on having him uh, as, as one of the more dynamic cornerback duos in the, in the Pac-12, I would assume. So that's a loss. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, you know, what are you gonna what are you going to see this week? rust more than likely and hopefully they're able to uh to get rid of it and find some kind of rhythm you know or somewhere early in that football game yeah i think offensively you're going to see them you know be be a little bit rusty as you said defensively i thought they came out against usc and looked good for their first game you know obviously you lose jack jones and we talk so much about jack jones and, and chase lucas being the best corner duo to come through asu and play together uh in a while they had that opportunity and obviously some 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 issues uh, you know, with the team suspending Jack Jones and Ashari Crosswell, uh, you know, I, I, just to talk about the decision that Ashari's making, I, I don't think it's the right decision to enter the draft. Uh, you know, I don't think he's got uh, enough on tape to really, uh, you know, cement him as a fourth round or better draft pick. Um, we hope the best for him, obviously. And the goal for all of these ASU coaches has been to put guys in the league. Um, and so we, we hope nothing but the best for him. Um, but obviously a tough situation with COVID and not playing many games. Um, but a guy who I'm excited about after that first game in USC was Jordan Clark. If you watch Jordan Clark through that game, he got better and better and better every single series. And so I think he's your natural guy to step in and fill the position of Jack Jones. And guess what? 
buddy. You're in the show now. You better get ready to roll. You're going to be starting at cornerback. Uh, and so you better have your popcorn ready and be watching him. And, and guess who UCLA is going to be attacking early? The true, fre- the, not the true freshman, the freshman Jordan Clark in his second game, uh, having taken a month off. And for UCLA, uh, they have so much more uh, experience this year, having played a lot more games. And a name that I want to throw out to you guys and see if you guys have had a chance to watch him is Demetric Felton. He's their running back. Have you guys had a chance to watch him yet? Mm-hmm. This kid is special. the dude is special. He is, he is the best player in the conference I've seen since Christian McCaffrey. The way that he holds the ball, the way that he can make people miss, it, it's, it's damn impressive. And I don't know if he was there last year or not, but it's kind of similar to how Christian McCaffrey was with Stanford one year, and all of a sudden you were like, did he even play last year? Yeah, he did. He was a different number, but he played because I played against him, and we didn't even know who he was until the next year. So um, UCLA is coming in with, with you know games under their belt. ASU is going to have to get ready to roll, man. They're going to have to try to find some some type of offensive of, of balance. It's going to be difficult, uh, but you know what? This is uh, this is twenty twenty year of uncertainty. You got to you got to make the most of what you got. Who else could ASU lose defensively this year uh, to the next level? Because I you, think uh, Merlin sorry, Robertson. That's the one that yeah, I was Mer- going to go to, and that's the biggest hit, I believe. And and Antonio Pierce has been very vocal about, hey, I want to get these guys out as juniors. I want to get these guys out of here because they're preaching, hey, we're an NFL, uh, you know, basically like a, you know, pre-NFL team. You know, we're we're we got the goal to send everyone to the NFL. And when Ray Anderson hired Herm, he wanted to get more guys into the NFL. Uh, And and if it if if they start putting guys out to the league, it's only going to help recruiting. It's only going to help them get more guys. Uh, and so, you know, that's kind of been the goal. It's unfortunate, kind of sucks, but, uh, you know, Evan Fields is another guy that is ha- had a great game against USC. He probably doesn't have enough tape to, to get to the next level, but if Merlin can play another, you know, two, three games at a really high level, he'll have an opportunity to get drafted. That's what these guys have going against them is the fact that they don't have the tape right now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Merlin year one, sensational. Last year, I think everybody, you know, was a little hurting. Yeah, I don't want to say disappointed. Like, I never want to go out a student athlete like that. Like, oh, you're a disappointment. But uh, you <laughs> well, know, it was a sophomore it, slump, right? Sophomore so, slump. so this oh, was going to be a big year for him if he was going to leave after his junior yeah. year. He balled out against USC. He was balled the Pac-12 out. defensive what? player of the week. Off. So, yeah. you know, it, that that's good. But again, that's one game. It's unfortunate. That's all that they, you know, he's been able to put on tape. So, um, for Merlin, I, I'll be curious to see if. How many guys take advantage of this uh, the the rule that you're not losing eligibility by playing this year? You know, how many guys take advantage yeah. of it and just look at it as a year of prep, a year to get right for you know next year, put a solid full season on tape and try to improve that draft status? You know, just that yeah. your draft stuff. Here's here's another thing is is it might be a good year to kind of enter the draft because of the uncertainty. Uh, because probably a lot of guys are going to take advantage of that and get another year of college football. The the draft might be kind of light this year compared to you know other years. That'll be, that'll be interesting to see. But another guy I wanted to bring up is DeAndre Pierce, the transfer from Boise State, uh, Antonio Pierce's son. He played well in his first game uh, at USC. I was I was impressed with him. He came in with a lot of experience from Boise State, um, and it's it's good that we have him to fill in for Ashari as he started over Ashari the first game because. Of other reasons that we don't know why, but um, so it's it's always good when you have depth at that position. Similar to how we were talking about, you know, Larry Fitzgerald and the Cardinals. Great to have depth at that position. Cam Phillips, another guy with a lot of starting experience that that's uh, you know a second stringer. So uh, I'm not worried about their secondary. They they've recruited for this. 
and obviously, you know, we wish the best for Ashari. I hope that he goes, enters the draft, and realizes that he might not get drafted high and comes back. I, I don't know if that's realistic or not. I don't even know if it's allowed yet. In the, uh, you know, I think as soon as you get, well, Michael uh, Turk last year, right? Yeah, but you can, you just can't hire representation. I believe, like, I think you can put in okay. for the NFL draft, and then they come back and say, okay, you're projected as third, fourth, or fifth, sixth round, and at that point, yeah. you can be like, okay, well, let me take a step back. Uh, but as soon as you hire representation, I believe, I believe you're done at that point. As soon as you hire can't somebody. They make- can't they make money starting next year? Can't the players? Or is that twenty? That I don't think has been put into stone yet. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But okay. it is coming. The likeness okay. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. Chris. Yeah. If you know. I just think with everything that's been going on, the NCAA has kind of put some stuff on the back burner, and I think that's one of them that is coming. And to your point, Sean, I do think it is once you hire an agent, that is uh, that is the end. You cannot uh, withdraw. Um, but I wonder if some of the rules have changed. I'm not going to be the guy that tries to keep up with the NCAA regulations that constantly change on a weekly <laughs> basis. Not going to be me. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not going to be that guy here uh, on the show. But but yes, I, I think that once you hire an agent, that that means you are going uh, to the NFL draft. Now, one quick note here as we wrap up this ASU talk, Sean, you mentioned it that you think a lot of the players could potentially look at this as, hey, this is just a free year. I get to play games. I can tell you one group that is thinking for a fact that way. That is the coaching staff of this football team because you miss a month. You're only going to play probably three, four, maybe five football games at most. You're absolutely looking at the rest of the season as this is an evaluation point. And I think fans, and we've been harping on this point all year long, but I think even more so now, the end result, the wins and the losses, don't don't get all in a twist over those. There's one that matters. Seed development. Yes, that game game against U of A, you want to win that football game, absolutely. But ultimately... This is about the process. This is about developing talent, everybody getting reps and getting better. And this year, I don't care. I'm not going to look at the record at the end of the year and say, oh, this team disappointed or oh, this team could have been better. I yeah. have completely written that part of this hey, off. Did you guys see that they're they're creating a bowl game for the SEC versus the Pac-12 December 31st? You guys see that? Cre- creating, I think, is is I'm going to put in air quotes because they're they lost a bowl game, but they're using another yeah. bowl game's name. They yeah. they're kind of like shuffling deck chairs around on the Titanic. But I, the I'm pumped about that. Lost. Yeah, that this should is be where fun you could get a. This is where you could get a Mike Leach versus UW or or Mike Leach versus Washington State kind of game. I think that would be cool. And then you know it'd be cool to see ASU play in Auburn or an LSU. I mean, I I, I think that would be awesome. You know, that's. That's something uh, that I would I would uh, I would really enjoy. I'll probably be in the mountains in Washington, having a cold beverage by the fire, watching some Pac-12. Unless it's ASU, in which case I won't be. I'll be at the stadium <laughs> or covering the game. But right. either way, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I, and it's unfortunate how many bowl games that we've we've seen just in the last week uh, be canceled. You know that there's a handful mm-hmm. of Pac-12 affiliated bowl games. So I like that they're going to get creative and try to shuffle some things around, try to create a way to play more football games. Because Chris, you're right. ASU's played one game right now. You've got UCLA this weekend, and you got U of A after that, and then you're going to get the, uh, the the seventh week in the Pac-12 where one from the north plays one from the south and then you got two versus two and three versus three so you get one more so you're looking at four games total you're looking at an nfl preseason schedule right now for asu and if the bowls go away that's literally all it's going to be right and so your comment about just looking at this as prep and it's something i've been saying for weeks now as we continue to lose more and more football games i think is 100 percent right because right now you're staring down four football games for the year four and that's mm-hmm. it. And yeah. if you get a bowl game, great. But I, I'm not going to put odds on on you getting a bowl game as being yeah. very very well, very high. 
all we can do is just be thankful for the games that they're going to get because yep. you know we at one point we thought they weren't going to get any games and i'm looking forward to watching them play ucla and by the way ucla is a good football team they they've played several games they played without dylan thompson robinson their starting quarterback they almost beat oregon they turned the ball over four times and they lost by three and i think Demetric felton jr is a big part of that football team but they're 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 they have a, a true freshman quarterback there that that's pretty good too um, but Chip Kelly's got that team rolling. Their, their defensive line plays well. They play aggressive. They're good at stopping the run. And so it's going to be a good matchup for ASU's offensive line and, and defensive line. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, it's, it's, it. It's a game that ASU's got to win if they want to have any opportunity to play in a Pac-12 championship, which is looking real slim. It is exciting once again to be talking about ASU football. It, is, it has been a while, so it'll be nice to see them back on the field tomorrow. That's going to do it for the Friday edition of No Bull with Chris Crespin and Simone. You can always follow the show on Twitter at No Bull underscore podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio. Sean at S Crespin 02. And then Jordan Simone at Jordan Simone 38. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify Podcasts, whatever app you use to get your podcast. Follow us there. Subscribe. Leave a, leave a rating. We do greatly appreciate it. Enjoy the ASU football this weekend. And Enjoy the card on Sunday. Yes. Boycott pumpkin spice lattes. Okay, Son of there. a bitch. Okay, boycotting pumpkin spice lattes as well. Thank you, Jordan, for that. Enjoy the football weekend. We will talk to you on Monday.